Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Victory Church. I'm so excited to be here and to be with you, to be with my church family. I want to greet the Edmond campus. It's such a joy to, and honor to be with you guys today. Those of you watching online, no matter where you are, uh, we welcome you. We welcome you to Victory Church, and we pray that this uh, church is a blessing to you. Uh, we have people watching from all over the world every week, and so it's such an honor to speak uh, to each and every one of you. Before we get started today, I want to do something uh, kind of special. I want us to gather and join in prayer over something. Uh, it's powerful when the church unites in prayer. And so we want to make that a focal point. Uh, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. And so one thing we can all kind of come together and pray for, uh, I think it's because I'm so close to education. Like uh, I'm uh, at the King's University, tomorrow we start classes. And I know for many parents, school has already started and you know, you're kind of a weekend to be in a taxi driver at this point. Uh, but I want to just pray for uh, teachers, educators, anybody in the sector of education. If Edmund Campus and OKC, if you're in the education world at all, will you stand for me? Uh, maybe you're a, a teacher, maybe you're an administrator. Yeah, we give these people a hand. These are heroes, guys. These are heroes. So just remain standing at the OKC, here at OKC and at Edmond, and those of you watching online that may be educators. Uh, what I want you to hear is that you guys are at ground zero. You guys are on the battle lines. And especially if you're in the, in the public school system or even the private school system, uh, you are doing an amazing work and we want you to know that. And so we wanna pray a covering over you. All right, let's, let's agree in prayer. So Father, we thank you for these educators, Lord, people who have dedicated their lives to bringing up the next generation, Lord. So God, we know that in the school system, it's a, it's a, it's a battleground. It's a battleground. It's, a, it's one of the mountains, God, that, that we need to conquer, that we need to, to, to take ground from the enemy. So God, we pray over these educators, whether they're administrators, whether they're teachers, whether they're teachers, God, that you would give them one wisdom. God, give them wisdom how to navigate uh, these, way, this, these uh, troubling waters, God. Uh, give them patience. Uh, with these students, God, give them the empowerment they need. God, we know that teachers do not make enough money. God, give them provision. Give them every resource they need to, call, to live out the calling. God, these are, this is a calling that you have divinely placed them in these classrooms and in these offices to take ground from the enemy, God. So we pray for our school systems. We pray that prayer would take ground in our school systems, God. We thank you for, for these uh, educators and what they do. We pray blessings upon them and fruit be abundant in their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Yeah, give them one more hand. Let's give our educators one more hand. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn over to the book of Isaiah. We're gonna visit a verse that we talked about last week. Uh, we're in a, se a season, a series called Uncommon Kingdom. And really the heart behind this, this season is us coming to the knowledge and understanding as Christians that we are not called to be common. That there, 
is something about the way we will live our lives that is intentionally different than the way the world lives their lives. Uh, last week we talked about that, you know, the, the prayer Jesus called us, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying that God bring your kingdom here. May we be a picture of heaven. And our culture that we live in today is trying its best to reverse this. It's trying to reverse it to say, no, heaven needs to conform to what we think on earth. And we cannot do this. We, we are called to be uncommon. And so we're taking time during this season to talk about some practical things in our lives uh, that what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it even mean to be a Christian? Is there something about my life that should look different than, than the world? And so we're, we're unpacking this. Week one, we talked about uh, truth. And we talked about what is truth. The truth is not fluid. Truth is not what you, whatever you think truth should be or could, could be. There is truth. There is absolute truth. We talked about that. If you missed that, go back and watch it. Last week, we introduced a topic on the fear of the Lord, something that the Lord has really been encouraging with me with and challenging me with, so much so that I kind of want to do a part two today. So today is going to be part two of a message that we started last week on the fear of the Lord. If you missed it, don't worry, you can watch the sequel without watching the first one, okay? It's like Maverick. It's just as good the second one without the first one, all right? Don't throw anything at me if you disagree. Okay, Isaiah chapter 33, we're gonna read verse six. It's the same text we looked at last week. It says, he, he being God, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge and the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So last week, I kind of unpacked, introduced this topic of the fear of the Lord. And I think I became so intrigued by it because I grew up a preacher's kid. I've grown up around church pretty much my whole life. And I could probably count on, on one hand the number of sermons I've heard on the fear of the Lord. And I think there's a deep misunderstanding to what this means. And I, and I really wanted to take time and teach on this and, 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 and bring more clarity to this. And the more I look at this, the more foundational I really believe this is to our core beliefs as Christians. And so I wanna continue last week's message. Last week's message was part one. So this week I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do part two. And the title is, You Have Every Reason to Fear. You have every reason to fear. Now, I'm talking about the fear of the Lord. And we, we talked last week a little bit about what that means. It doesn't mean that I'm terrified that the Lord's gonna beat me up, that I'm terrified that the Lord's gonna hit me over the head with a hammer and we get struck by lightning. It's not that sort of fear. And the reason we know that is because the Bible's very clear that he is our heavenly father, that we are sons and daughters. We, we do not have orphan hearts. He is our father. And anybody knows from a, an earthly relationship with the father, you cannot have intimacy with someone who is abusive. So it is not an abusive type of fear. It is not a fear of abuse, of, of punishment. It is a reverent, if you missed last week, go back and watch it, it is a holy reverence. I stand in awe of who he is and that reverent fear drives everything about my life. And you remember last week, I urged you to pursue this, to explore this. Um, I use the illustration that if, you, if I told you that somewhere on, on this campus or somewhere at the Edmond campus, there is a treasure filled with millions of dollars, but you just have to go find it. You would spend all day looking for it. You wouldn't leave, you know? And so locked in this passage, locked all through the Bible that I wanna unpack for you today are treasures, treasures 
promises from the Lord. And this passage tells us that the key that unlocks the treasure is a fear of the Lord, that we understand having a fear of the Lord. So um, I want to, last week we talked, we did kind of did an introductory to this topic of the fear of the Lord. And I told you last week that I was going to come back this week and talk about different treasures. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at three treasures that are very clear in scripture. And I want to show you this. If you, you better get your Bible ready because I'm going to throw so much scripture at you. You're going to be like drinking through a fire hydrant. Okay. So I'm going to throw a ton of scriptures at you. The reason I'm doing this is because I want to take it back to truth. I want to take it back to God's truth about what these things say. And it's to give you stuff to go study. I, I, every week I talk to people that are like, man, I went and studied that and I saw this and I saw this and I saw this and I saw this. And that's the point. Okay. Don't, you don't just come here to feed. You should come here to feed, but you go home and you can eat as much as you want at home too, all right? So the Bible is rich, so I want to spark your interest on this topic. So to show you the first treasure, let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, this, is a, this is one that many of you will uh, recognize when I read it. Proverbs chapter 9 verses 10 says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, all right? So it's saying the beginning. If you even wanna get started with becoming wise, with receiving wisdom from the Lord, this passage says that the beginning of it starts with, with, with the fear of the Lord, all right? So point number one, if you're taking notes, uh, when you fear the Lord, it is a key to a treasure of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, okay? The fear of the Lord is a key that begins to unlock all three of these things. And I don't care if you're a believer or not. When you see knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, you'd be a fool not to want that. Everybody would love to have more wisdom. Everybody would love to have more knowledge. Everybody would love to have more understanding. I want you to, to see this other passage in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. It says, my son, if you accept my words and store, and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, saying search for it, go find it, um, for as, as for a hidden treasure, watch verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. I wanna notice, I wanna point out real quick where wisdom comes from. The Lord, this, this passage says the Lord gives it. How do you get it? He gives it to you. Uh, this, this can be backed up in the New Testament in James chapter one, verse five. Uh, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously and without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So wisdom comes from the Lord. It is something that the Lord gives us. So, so there's a difference. Let me unpack. Sometimes we just, we kind of roll all these into one, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, but they are three distinctly, distinctively different things, okay? Let me, let me try to illustrate it a way that might make it simpler to understand. So Let's pretend for the sake of pretending, okay? Because we're all probably gonna pretend this. Maybe a couple of you out there won't have to pretend. But we're gonna all pretend that we run marathons. All right? We all pretending, okay? We all pretending. Um, if we're gonna run a marathon, let's say it's gonna, we're gonna run our very first marathon. What we're gonna need to do first is we're gonna go out and gain some knowledge. 
Knowledge is simply information. Knowledge is simply a book, a website, some sort of knowledge. I need to understand what a marathon is, okay? Knowledge would tell me it's 26.2 miles. Knowledge would tell me that I need to hydrate. Knowledge would, would lead me to want to study how, you know, how this works. Um, Eunice is over here. She's a, she's a physician's assistant. She could sit us down. She could tell, she's teaching one of our classes uh, on health and wellness. She could sit us down and tell us. We could come to know, like when you say, I don't know, what you're saying is I need knowledge. But then you could also say, I don't understand. I could tell you something. I could give you all the facts and you not understand it. So then there's an understanding. So once you gain the knowledge, then there's a step of you coming to understand it. So if I tell you, you gotta be hydrated, that's a fact, but you have to understand how the body hydrates and your cellular breakdown and what does that mean and all those kind of things. So there's a difference between knowledge and understanding. And here's the problem. We have more knowledge than we know what to do with. Our problem is not knowledge. You have more knowledge uh, on the phone that's in your pocket right now than in the history of the universe combined, okay? It is not a lack of knowledge. Uh, we, we learned the first week of this series that, that knowledge doesn't always lead to truth. It doesn't always lead to truth. You can gain knowledge, but it's the wrong knowledge. That's why Paul said, we talked about this, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, 7, he said, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So there's, no, there's, there's knowledge, there's understanding, but then we come into something called wisdom. Wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is given to us by, the God, by, by God, but knowledge and understanding comes from his mouth, but we must pursue it. We must pursue knowledge and understanding, and God gives us or delivers to us a, a wisdom. So let's look at this a little bit, a little bit further. Let's look at wisdom, okay? So, so uh, we read the, the passage in Proverbs. There's a mirror passage in, in the book of Psalm. It's Psalm 111, verse 10. It says almost the exact same thing. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how does the Bible define wisdom, okay? We kind of have our, if I set each one of you down and I asked you, what does wisdom mean? You might each give a little bit of a different answer. The Bible does it this way in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word, uh, chakmah, you have to hack. Like that, I literally did, I almost choked up there. And it means this, it means, it means skill in war, skill in administration, shrewd and prudent. Now think about this, you're gonna go to war. God's wisdom will give you skill in that battle. Some of you are trying to raise teenagers. You're at war. <laughs> God will give us wisdom in that battle. Some of you are starting to, trying to start a business and you're in that war. You're trying to gain the skills to win this war. Wisdom comes from God to give us the skills we need to overcome this. But then he uses these two words, shrewd. Well, that's kind of a, we, we kind of associate shrewd with like mean and, and rude. But let me, let me read you the actual definition of shrewd. Shrewd means having or showing sharp powers of judgment. Have you ever been in a situation where you just don't know what to do? You have, you have choice A and choice B. You know what you need? Wisdom. You need God to give you a gift of being shrewd, the ability to make a decision one way or the other. Prudent means acting with or showing care and thought for the future. Wisdom 
always involves the future. You don't need wisdom for the past. That's understanding and knowledge, it's already happened. Wisdom is something that I don't know what's coming around the corner and God, I need you to give me wisdom. Okay, so you begin to see the differences between these. Uh, let me show you, let me show you uh, one more thing. Psalm 25, verse 14. I love this passage. It says, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. What is the key to this? It's a, it's a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord. What, is, what does the word secret mean in, in Hebrew? Let's look at this. The word secret, if, if the secret of the Lord, the Hebrew word for this is sod, and it means to receive counsel, to be in the counsel of, to be in the circle of an intimacy. This scripture tells us that when you fear the Lord, you come into the circle and God counsels you. You receive counsel. He becomes your counselor. The Holy Spirit comes to provide counsel for us with a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord. Now, if, if Jesus needed this, I'm gonna show you a passage that shows you that Jesus, when he came on earth, I'm gonna show you a messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah that, that tells us everything that Jesus had when he came to earth. And I'm just here to tell you, if Jesus needed it, you do too, all right? So Isaiah chapter 11, verse two, and this is a messianic prophecy about the coming Messiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Now watch what rests on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge has all three of them, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge, and fear of the Lord. Jesus himself, when he came to earth, had a healthy fear of his heavenly father. And with it came wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We need this. We need this. We need to lean into this more and more because we need wisdom. If you're listening to the sound of my voice today, there is something in your mind that you could think of instantly that you need clarity on. You just need the Lord to speak. You need the Lord to give direction. You need the Lord to lean into this. And maybe you've been, maybe you've been leaning into this and you're not hearing, you're not hearing, you're not hearing. I'm offering you a key, a key to flex this spiritual muscle, to begin to understand and study. If you fully don't understand it yet, study more. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what does this look like to have a healthy fear of the Lord day in and day out, all right? So let's go on to the next one. Let's go back to our opening text. I wanna show you the next treasure that this key unlocks. It says, he will be a sure foundation for your times. And these, these five words right here, a rich store of salvation. Salvation. Um, you may not get too excited about this because you feel like that's all good. I'm done. I'm, I'm saved. We're good. But I want to I unpack this a little bit more for you this, and how the fear of the Lord comes into our salvation. So point number two, if you're taking notes, when you fear the Lord, it is a key to a treasure of salvation. All right, uh, uh, let me show you a passage um, to this. Why is this so important? Um, I, I mentioned this in, in uh, the first week of this series. As a pastor, we're exposed to a lot of people's sin. <laughs> uh, we see it. And pastors are just as susceptible to it as anyone. Uh, we can turn on the news or go up 
and look at the news and see pastors falling all over the place. It's, 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 become, it's become so common that when it happens, we're not even surprised. I wanna show you a, an element to our walk, to our salvation walk, that is so detrimental to us living a life of purity. Now, thank God for grace. Thank God that he's there to redeem us and to restore us when we do fall. But I wanna show you how the fear of the Lord plays a role in us living a godly life, all right? So let me show you what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians chapter two, verse 12, he says, therefore, my dear, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, watch this, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying there's an element to our walk with the Lord that we must have a reverent fear. We must have a reverent fear of the Lord. Um, let's say that you work at a place that has, has amazing benefits, okay? You work at an employer that your benefits are just incredible and things that aren't even, aren't even in your contract are just there, okay? So for the sake of, for the sake of, um, uh, of example, let's just say, this is a weird example, but let's just say that every single day you get to your office and there's donuts. Can I get amen? Somebody said amen. Come on, come on. Every day. And it happens for years and 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 years. And every day you skip breakfast at home because you're going to eat a donut, you know. And one day you get to work and you sit down at your desk and you go to the break room to expect donuts and there are no donuts. You've become so used to something being there that when it's not there, you're shocked, you know. You've become complacent in ex your expectation of it. I would just present to you that it is possible that we become so um, used to and ingrained in the grace of God that it becomes routine, that our reverence for it can slip and fade, and that we can actually begin to sin without any conviction of any kind. I mean, I, I, we see this all the time, you know, you somebody who, who, who gets in a pattern of sinning and before long you become so numb to it that you just do it. You just become used to it because God's grace is sufficient, right? And, we, and it is, isn't it? God's grace is amazing. It's abundant. God's grace overcomes a multitude of sin. But Paul says we should work out our salvation with a bit of fear in there. There should be something in us that, that desires to remain in proximity. The Bible is very clear that sin separates us from God and Jesus comes in to be the mediator to bring it back together and I'm thankful for this and Jesus is this. But there's gotta be something in us that has a really, really healthy fear. And I think that there's something here, okay? I'm studying this, give me grace. There's something here that can help us live a more godly life live a, a life that's more holy. And, and we don't preach about this. Like we don't like the word holy in church, but the Bible calls us to live a life of holiness. So fear of the Lord will help us lean into this, 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 this concept. Let me show you what salvation is, okay? So I just threw the word salvation out there and everyone, again, everybody would define this differently. So let me show you what the Bible says, okay, uh, in the Greek. The Greek word for salvation is the Greek word sotheria, and it means deliverance from the molestation 
of enemies. A deliverance from the molestation of enemies. So Paul is saying, I want you to work out your deliverance from the molestations of the devil with fear. With fear. Knowing that without Jesus, you succumb to these. So I can, I can, I can receive grace and, be, and have a healthy fear at the same time. I fear, I fear the Lord. Another definition of it is says, in an ethical sense, that which concludes to the soul's safety or salvation. Let me show you what uh, Exodus says. Let's go to the Old Testament. Exodus 20, verse 20, Moses says to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you do not sin. So if you have a healthy fear of the Lord, he's saying it's gonna keep you from sinning. Isn't that funny that, that, that Moses says, hey, don't fear, but fear. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like he's saying, don't fear the things of this world. We talked about this last week. When you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you have less of a fear of the things of this world because you have elevated, you have exalted the sovereignty, the magnitude, the mightiness of God above your earthly worries and fears. But when we oppose that and we let the world, we live in a common kingdom, we become common and we begin to let fear and everything else arise within us, it causes us to have less of a healthy fear of the Lord. So, so Moses is, is getting into this. So Jeremiah, let me show you what Jeremiah said. The prophet Jeremiah in, in uh, chapter five, verse 21, it says, now hear this, O foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Verse 22, do you not fear me, declares the Lord. Do you not tremble in my presence? For I have placed the sand as a boundary for the sea in an eternal decree so, I, so it cannot cross over. Though the waves toss, yet they cannot prevail. Though they roar, they cannot cross over it. But this people has a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and departed. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. He's saying that it's a stubborn and rebellious people. What indicator lets you know that they're a stubborn and rebellious people? God says, because they don't fear me. And because they don't fear me, they're stubborn and rebellious. It says, they don't, let us, he says, uh, verse 24, they do not say in their hearts, let us now fear the Lord our God who gives us rain in the season, both in autumn and rain and spring rain, who keeps for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Verse 25, your iniquities have turned these away and your sins have withheld good from you. Psalm 19.9 says this, it says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. There is a purity to the, that, the, that the fear of the Lord brings into our life. Uh, the devil, let me remind you, the devil was a, was a worship leader in heaven. <laughs> like his job was to exalt God, to lift him up, to fear him. He lost his fear of the Lord. He lost his fear. He wanted to be equal. And what happened? He did not endure forever. He did not endure forever. So there's something in this that we need to lean into. And I believe, and I'm leaning into this and I'm studying this more, I believe the fear of the Lord plays a unique role in the Christ followers ongoing battle against sin nature. Yes. Plays a key role. Yes. 
All right? All right, let's go to the next one. Before I do, let me, let, me, let me say one thing here, okay? So some of you might be saying, John, you're leaning into legalism. You're becoming, you know, all performance-based. No, I'm not. No, I'm trying to keep the car on the road. <laughs> we talked about it. One side of the ditch is all grace. One side of the ditch is all performance. So, so somebody might be saying, well, what about mercy, John? I thought God was a God of mercy, right? He's, he's, he's all mercy. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you a couple things. Luke 150, Luke chapter one, it says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, let me show you one more, Psalm 108.8. It says, the Lord is compassionate. We know this verse. Gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Thank the Lord, thank Jesus. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, watch, so great is his love for those who fear him. Verse 12, as far, this is a verse we know. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We, we, we lean into this as believers and believe that there's a healthy fear of the Lord. Last but not least, uh, write this down. When you fear the Lord, it is a key to a treasure of God's provision, okay? Now, let me, let me show this to you. So, um, the fear of the Lord activates something in you that then activates faith in you. So, earlier, I, I, I used this um, difference. You know, when I, when I fear the Lord, I fear the things of this world less. When I fear the things of this world more, my fear of the Lord digresses. So it's not that the fear of the Lord, like, well, well then if I fear the Lord, then I, then I push the vending machine and provision's gonna come. It's not a formula, okay? It's not meant to be a formula. All you're doing, when you say I fear the Lord, all you're doing is you're stepping out of the worldly view and you're stepping into the promises of God. That's all it means. When I have a healthy fear of the Lord, I believe what God says. I hear it in scripture, I believe what it says, and I obey what it is. Why? Because I have a fear. I have a healthy fear of the Lord more than I fear these things. So, the, the principles, this is kind of the, the point, the principles of God never change, okay? Uh, it's, it's my willingness to operate in them. And the fear of the Lord pushes me into operating into what scripture says. Let me, let me show you an example of provision coming from fear of the Lord, okay? So in Genesis chapter 22, uh, Abraham, God has told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, all right? That which is the most valuable thing to him. He asks him to sacrifice it. Um, and so he does, he puts him up on the altar, raises a knife, is about to kill his only son. Let's pick up in verse 11 of Genesis 22. It says, an angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. Now watch this. For now, I know that you fear God. The, the fear of the Lord caused him to be obedient to the Lord. He, he feared the Lord more than he feared the things of this world. And the angel literally stops him and says, oh, whoa, 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 stop. I know you're, I know you're, Serious, I want you to stop. And the reason I'm telling you to stop 
is because now I know that you fear God more than you feel your, fear your circumstances. Um, and then it says this, since you have not withheld your only son from me. So think about, think about it this way. Abraham had one son, one son. He was willing to give up that which was precious to him. Now think about the result of this in sowing and reaping. He, he was willing to sow the one seed. He was willing to, to give up that what was precious to him. And because the Lord said, I see that you fear me, the Bible goes on to say, and, and Abraham became the father of many nations. The one that was willing to sacrifice, and here's what happened. Verse 13, very next verse. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him to his bird offering in the place of his son. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Now, the Lord will provide. In Hebrew, this is a name for God that you've heard if you've been around church at all, and you get excited about it when someone says it, you know what it means, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh is mentioned right here in the Bible. It's one place in the whole Bible, Jehovah Jireh, right here provider. Provision came from fear of the Lord. Amen. The angel says, stop, 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 stop. I see that you fear me and now I'm going to provide for you. When we have a healthy fear of the Lord, it brings provision into our life and we step into these promises. Let me show you a couple other verses. Proverbs 22, 4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Psalm 40, 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. Psalm 1, uh, 111, verse 5. He has given food to those who fear him, and he will remember his covenant forever. A healthy fear of the Lord unlocks provision. Again, not because it's a magic formula, it's because when you fear the Lord, you're simply crossing over into what scripture says and you believe what he says and you're gonna obey what it says and you're stepping into godly principles and you're living them out every single day. So as we close, what is our response? You know, you just heard two sermons on the fear of the Lord. Okay, what, what, how do I prove it? Like, as I studied this, my thought kept going to, well, God, how do I prove that I fear you? What are, what are some things I can do? Like, hopefully this has like at least sparked your interest enough. If you're like, ah, I don't believe in that stuff. Okay, come back next week. We'll preach about something else. But hopefully this sermon on the fear of the Lord has, has at least you leaning in going, okay, what? There's a lot of scripture on this. So what does that mean? What, how do we lean into this? I think there's all kinds of ways through the Bible that we can express this. But I think one key one is, is found... Uh, in Psalm 22, verse 23. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me show this to you. It says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. Praise him. If you say you fear the Lord, then your only response is worship. Uh, all through scripture, you see these moments where God will present himself to people through the Bible, and their response is always the same. It's just instant worship. 
instant falling on their face, instant understanding the fear of the Lord, fear and trembling. People would tremble. And I don't, I don't think it's like they were like, oh, there he is. Okay, let's get down on our knees here. I think it was... Not because if they don't, he's gonna smite them. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're confronted with the magnitude of who he is. Uh, we, were, we were on vacation in July, and we were sitting there at the beach, and this particular place we were at, the tides were massive. It was like a 15-foot difference in tide. And I just sat there. I was thinking about this verse we read just a moment ago, and God says, I set the boundaries of the sea. We went out deep sea fishing and we were 10, 15 foot swells and it was just unbelievable. And you realize real quick how small you are when you get out there on the seas of the ocean. But God's like, yeah, I told the ocean where to stop. Right there is as far as you'll go. And even low tide and the tide's coming back in the next day, it always comes to the same spot. Same exact spot every day. Why? Because God set the boundary there. Have you ever stopped to think how big he is, how amazing he is? Our only response is to worship. It's a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord and the magnitude of who he is. In Ezekiel chapter one, verse 28, it kind of gives us this picture. It says, all around him was a glowing halo like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. Now watch his response. And when I saw it, I fell face down on the ground and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. All through the Bible, you see Moses falling on his face. You see Abraham falling on his face. You see the wise men falling on their face when they see baby Jesus. They're like, Pooch. it's a fear. It's a holy, reverent fear of the Lord. In Revelation, last verse, Revelation chapter seven, verse 11, it says, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. Now watch their response. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Now think about it. These are angels. These are people who are kind of used to being in his presence. This isn't their first rodeo. These are sinless beings. It's not like they're sinning and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bad, I need to fall down. No, it is a healthy, reverent fear of the Lord that compels them to bow. What does that mean for us? It means that we have to live our lives in this manner. I'm not saying that every five minutes you gotta get on your knees and bow. It, it, it is living a life where my heart is continually bowed in reverence. In every manner of my life, in every component, in every aspect of my life, I am bowed to who he is. But we stand to your feet with me, OKC and, and Edmund. I wanna, I wanna lead us into just a moment of worship, okay? We have time for this, we scheduled this. So please try to stay focused. If you're anything like me, this is the time that you can get really easily distracted. But what I wanna do is I wanna give us a moment to just practice, practice. A moment we're gonna say to ourselves, I don't care who's around me, I don't care who's seeing, I don't care who's watching. I wanna, I wanna show my fear of the Lord. I wanna lean into this. Some of you need to drop to your knees. Some of you may wanna to come to the altar. The altars are open. This is not a competition. It's not like whoever gets to their knees is really the ones who fear the Lord. Some of us can't even get on our knees anymore, okay? So it's, it's not about that. 
but I'm challenging you for just the next few moments as we go back into worship to behold him, behold him. Put him in his rightful place. Some of you are, are bound by fear and anxiety and worry. I'm challenging you to put your fear in something else and watch your fear of those things go down to the floor. Father, we thank you that your presence is among us. Your presence is here. Think about that. Think about that. Your presence is here. God, we honor you. We magnify you. Even if you never did anything else for us, you are worthy of our praise. Give us a healthy fear of the Lord that unlocks treasures. Come on, we just lift your hands for just a moment. Come on, just, just enter into this moment. Some of you need to drop to your knees. Some of you may just want to sit down in your chair. Whatever posture you need to get in to show honor, to show respect, to revere, to magnify him above you. We worship you this morning. Come and visit us, Lord. Make your way into this room. We give you the room. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.